because of the economy, collecting rare metals has been a huge increase, and so the increase of what they're worth has gone up as well. It really matters what you want, because there was a time I could have cared less. I found out just recently, you can just, you want a silver dollar, you don't have to collect them, you can actually buy them. Of course, it's more expensive than collecting them, but, you know, just to be able to buy them. And what changes is your understanding of what's important. What changes is your, what uh, you want or what, uh, what you think you need for your life. And so when it comes to our own life, it's not a matter of what we're collecting or what we think is important. What matters is what does God want for your life. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church, and it's great to have you along as we jump into the message from last week on May the 28th, Pastor Tommy preaching about Jesus provides, and so much of our life is wrapped up in provision, isn't it? We're going to be talking about that, so you might want to get your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17, and so go ahead and get your Bibles out and get ready for that. Uh, welcome to everyone that's listening from around the world. We have uh, almost 1,200 listens now, which is a blessing. Uh, we have people from literally all over the world, about 12 different countries, plus the United States of America, and uh, plus our plus our care leaders and and our our um, life connection group leaders and assistant teachers and and some of you just listen and thank you so much. I think my mom listens now, so mom, welcome to the program. So anyway, we just appreciate you coming and being a part and, and just understanding uh, how this works. We have materials that are available to you if you'll let me know your name. Uh, we can get those to you. You can follow along, use them in your Bible studies, use them in your small groups, uh, wherever you are. There is no copyright on this. We would love to have you participate with us. And uh, so you just let us know. We'll put you on the list and we'll get that to you every single week. Also, you can listen to Pastor Tommy's sermon or whoever preached last week, but 50 or so weeks at 50 weeks out of the year as Pastor Tommy. And uh, if you will go to the um, church website on YouTube or, or church website or on YouTube, and you can just search out www.northwoodbaptist.com and it will come up and you can find it and it will help you understand where we're going with this passage. All right, well, we are going to jump right in and, and uh, get involved in what it means to be a Life Connection Group leader and dealing with the questions. We're going to take a minute or two. I'll, I'll back off on the sermon outline. Still going to try to make this 30 minutes, but let me kind of give you an, a, a help with what we're doing. Pastor Tommy has uh, graciously uh, gone back to the discussion questions, and what he has done is he has organized them around what we are trying to do when we study the Word of God, which is to observe, interpret, and apply. So instead of honesty time, examine the text, uh, apply the truth, and respond to the truth, we've gone to uh, observe what, what is in this passage, and then uh, we'll talk about that. And that's going to take most of your time, by the way. And then interpret, which you, you need, if you can just kind of combine it into one single sentence, uh, that would be an interpretation of this passage. And then what the application is, and of course there are going to be multiple applications, uh, what we want you to do is spend 10 to 15 minutes in the applications. And so then you start to say, okay, because this is what it meant to these people, 
then how do, what does it mean to us? Okay, so what you do is that's where your background matters. That's where your understanding of what's going on in this passage matters. That's when your understanding of when this was written, who was written to, uh, who wrote it, all those things will begin to matter. We know Luke was written by Luke, for instance. Okay, he was the uh, he went along with the Apostle Paul in many of his travels. Uh, Paul and Luke would have probably been writing these Paul's letters and Luke's Gospels about the same time. You're going to hear a lot of similarities between what they talk about. So um, it's it's good to go and and to look at that. Then you can also get some historical background when Luke is in Luke nine. You can get historical background as to what is going on by looking at the book of Acts and finding out what Luke said about Acts, and then you can put all that together. Uh, you can get your notes that are in your study Bible, and I believe every Life Connection Group leader should have a study Bible. If you don't have one, we have some that are available free to you. So come to me, and we will get you a uh, Life Connection study Bible with the study notes, with the questions, with background information, everything you need for your Life Connection Group uh, study that you do every single week. So you're going to, starting uh, th this week, you'll see it in your folder. Of course, we won't use it till next week uh, for the questions, but you'll, it is a little different. So uh, take a look at it. If you have any questions, just contact me, as I always say, Trey, T-R-E-Y, at NorthwoodBaptist.com, and we'll help you walk through that and help you understand. If you've never done OIA, I'm willing to go through a session with you. We'll just take John chapter 3, and we'll break that down and uh, try to help you figure out what we're doing and why we're doing it, and you'll see how it all works together. So most of that is done in the observation. The who, what, where, when, why, and how, the, uh, then that's going to be the observation. That's where you're going to spend a lot of your time. Then the interpretation, you're going to kind of get together say, okay, if that is the case, if that's what they were going through, then what is the interpretation of this passage? And then eventually application. Now what does it mean to us? Where you make what we call the 2,000-year leap. You take the 2,000-year bridge uh, from the time of Jesus or the time of the Apostle Paul or the time of Luke, uh, and you move all the way to what we are today, okay? What is going on today? How can we apply this to our lives? So, like I said, if you have any questions about that, please let me know, and we will get you taken care of. You'll see the first one. It'll be with your uh, notes this week when we send all the uh, extra stuff out. So take a look at that and start to uh, figure out how you can best use that. And as always... You don't have to answer every question. Our goal is to understand what the Word of God is saying and then to begin to uh, interpret and apply that to our lives. So I think these questions are designed to help you do that. So again, uh, I'm excited about it. It's a great, great opportunity uh, to really make a, a real change that is going to help people understand because they can take what we've done and then apply it to their Bible study at home they don't have to be studying Luke 9. They could be studying Ephesians 4, and it's going to help them, okay? Well, like I said, we are in Luke chapter 9 today. We're talking about Jesus provides. Let me go through the message, and basically the question is, what do you want out of life? And so what Pastor Tommy does is he gives us two truths that we need to remember as we live for what God wants. Uh, this is the conclusion of Jesus' ministry in Galilee before he travels to Jerusalem, and that happens in verse 51 at the end of the book. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And so in chapter 9, he is focused on discipleship, serving the king, uh, knowing that he will provide for you. So serving the king will cost you everything, but with that king, Jesus, he will provide you everything. So the first truth is this. Jesus provides the resources you need to serve him. 
Now, Jesus has prepared the disciples for his day. I heard it once this way, that no work done God's way will ever lack God's resources. And whether that's resources emotionally, resources physically, resources financially, resources however it is necessary, God will provide the, need, the resources that you need to serve him. He would never ask you to obey that as Oswald Chambers says, he would never ask you to obey. He will tax the, the, the furthest star so that you might have the power of God working in and through you. And isn't that the most important thing anyway? So Jesus prepares his disciples. He told them about the soils. They cross the stormy sea. They uh, remember the demon-possessed man. And then they restore a woman with this issue of blood. And then, of course, Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. So they've watched Jesus minister. And now what the deal is, is it's time for them to go do the same. You know, they've been watching. They've been looking. They, you know, they've been doing it, but they have, watching, excuse me, but they haven't been doing it. Um, so it's odd that Jesus sends them out because at this point, they, they really don't know anything. Um, they've witnessed a lot, but they don't know fully who Jesus is. But Jesus is going, is right now, uh, he, he has prepared them for who they will be. Jesus in their life is going to die. They're looking at it in the future. He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend to the Father. He's going to send his Holy Spirit to empower them, but it's not happened yet. So what does he do? And by the way, that's uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where they're told to go to the ends of the earth. All right, so that is what the ultimate mission is for us, to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, that's why missions is so important, by the way. That's why we take missions very seriously here at Northwood. That's why we go to... Uh, the ends of the earth in, in the United States, which is places like Boston and West Virginia. Uh, why we go to the ends of the earth, like we're going to Japan and the Dominican Republic. Uh, that's why we support the International Mission Board. That's why we support the North American Mission Board. That's why we support missionaries and help them in, in, so that they can lead people to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives. All right. So in the midst of that, he says, take nothing. You know, if it was me, I'd at least be packing a suitcase. But anyway, he said, just clothes on your back. And so what you do is you go to homes, you welcome them. What they're looking for is a person of peace. That's the, that was the method of Jesus. You found this person of peace that would welcome you into the home. And that could be your place where you worked out of. You could, you could have uh, what, what we would call today church. They wouldn't have had church at that time. But they would have had a, a gathering of the word of God. Uh, so, um, but the whole point was that you have to trust that your needs are going to be taken care of. But there was a time, there has not been a time yet where the disciples have not seen Jesus meet a need. So the mission was urgent. So that's why he told them they just had to go. Now, Jesus is not telling us that this is the way we should always travel, but he is teaching the 12 to, to um, uh, trust him. So Jesus wouldn't provide, uh, would not just provide their daily needs. He also sent them in power and authority. We, we know uh, what he commanded them. He said, I am with you always. Power is the ability to do something. Authority is the right to do something. I always say when you, when you start to talk about somebody, Jesus Christ, you have more right to speak to them than the President of the United States. All right? So the, the power and authority, though, was not in the disciples. So what was is the power and authority was in Jesus as he worked through the 12. So they're sent out. They do it. Imagine what it like, must have been like for the first time that Peter cast out a demon. Can you imagine? Whoa, I cast out a demon. Or, or when uh, John caused a lame person to walk. They had seen Jesus do it, but now they were doing it in the name of Jesus. 
So he gave them everything they needed. So when, here's the deal. We often say, well, when I'm fully prepared, I'm going to serve Jesus. By the way, remember, they were not fully prepared. So here's some excuses we use for serving the king. You know, well, I just need the time to grow and learn. I don't have enough experience, but one day I'll have it. Or how about the training excuse? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Or the resource excuse. I just don't have the money, but, but when I do, I'll give. I don't have the time, but when I, when I make some time, I'll do it. The problem is you'll never have all the resources you think you need. As a matter of fact, when you're in the work of God, you will always need more because you will have to trust God for more. You can't wait to be fully prepared to serve Jesus. You can't underestimate how you've already been prepared to serve Jesus. You see, we, we as the people of God have had the calling of God. That's his authority. And it is to go make disciples. We have the Holy Spirit that is inside of us, every single one of us. We have the Word of God completed there, ready to instruct us, to help us, to encourage us, to teach. And then you have the people of God. Look at, look at, look at Northwood that's going on here. There's in no one here that said, I'm going to do the work of God and everybody poo-poo them. They're going to say, hey, you're doing the work of God. We're with you. We're in this together. We're going to accomplish the work and the plan and the purpose of God. Jesus has given you what you need, hadn't he? So the first truth is that Jesus provides the resources you need to serve him. So this is about resources. The second, though, Jesus provides a reason for you to serve him. Now, here's Herod Antipas uh, inserted here. And here's about the work of the 12. And this isn't the same Herod that was with the king of Israel when Jesus was born. But Herod Antipas is interested in Jesus nonetheless. And he wants to see Jesus because he's, he's, he's confused about who he is. He's, he asked a question. Who is this? And that's the question for the rest of the chapters. Luke's already answered the question, but now by the time that Jesus leaves for Galilee, it's going to be very clear to us who Jesus is. He isn't a puppet. He isn't a puppet like, like Herod Antipas was, a puppet of, uh, of Caesar. This is Jesus, the true king. This is Jesus that one day Herod will come face to face with. We'll, we'll learn about that in Luke 23. The apostles return to Jesus, and Jesus takes them to Bethsaida, a retreat. And the, the story, uh, this story is in all four of the Gospels. And Mark tells us that they went to a desolate place to rest, but the crowds followed, and they fed the 5,000. Uh, some estimates are 10 to 20,000, but anyway, the point is, is a des desolate place. They didn't have McDonald's and didn't have Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know. Um, so he said, hey, what you got to do? Jesus had compassion on the people, and then he depends on the disciples to go and give them something to eat. Two things. Jesus was inviting them into ministry, number one. Number two, he reminded the disciples what? They are, have to trust him and be dependent on him to do his work. He already told them that. Now he's showing them reality, how it works. They are inadequate without him. And by the way, so are we. They're going to continue to serve him, but they will not serve him without his provisions. So all they have is five loaves and two fish, and they got uh, maybe upwards of 20,000 people, and they sit in groups of 50, uh, very similar to what happened with Elisha feeding 100 men, and they had food left over, very similar. Anyway, so Jesus blessed the bread and the fish, and this miracle occurs, food for everyone. And Herod asks, who is this? And Luke shows him exactly who it is. This is God who provides. Jesus is a different kind of king than Herod. Like his father obsessed with his self, Jesus obsessed 
with others. Jesus is obsessed with doing his Father's will. This isn't the first time that God has fed his people. Happened in the book of uh, Exodus when Moses led the people. Moses fed the people. And every day they woke up and there was manna was there. Now God in the flesh on earth feeds the people. Not falling from heaven, but from his own hand. God did not bring the people to the promised land. Uh, Moses led the people through the Red Sea in the wilderness, but God didn't bring the people in the promised land. Jesus, the greatest Moses, greater Moses, will lead a greater exodus. John chapter 6, verses 14 to 15 tells us that the people were amazed and tried to make, take, make, Jesus, by, uh, take, uh, make Jesus king by force. Um, then they understand the significance of what Jesus has done, but they don't understand what kind of G king Jesus was. He's not a feeding king. He is a saving king. So in John's gospel, he feeds the 5,000, he withdraws, he walks on water, people see him again, and Jesus says, again, you might want to read this, and I would recommend you do, uh, John chapter 6, verses 26 to 27. So because of that, we are going to read it together. I think it's important that we uh, get to that passage. So once again, John 6, and go to verse 26, okay? And let's read it together. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Jesus said, verse 35 goes on to say, I am the How do we get the bread that never perishes? Believe that I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That, my friend, is our king. He gives himself. Not just bread. He gives himself. He is the bread of life. And it's him that we have the comfort and the joy and the satisfaction and the provision of all good things, of every single thing that we need. That's why we want to serve our king. Because we have a king who gives himself. So as you go through your life connection group, help your people remember these things. Jesus always gives you exactly what you need when you need it. Not on your time, but on his time. That's why we can say he's an on-time God. Times when God has sent you the right people, remember, along at just the right time to encourage you when you were down. How many times? We're sending out cards now as we pray for people at our church. We all sign them as a staff, and we send them out to different people in our church. And over and over again, people say, that card came exactly when I needed it. That's our God. Had nothing to do with us. Had everything to do with God. Thank God for what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have. Repent of a heart attitude that says, I deserve more. Whew. We've got everything we need. And then pursue the one who gives you what you need instead of pursuing what you think you need. We waste so much energy. This is where we need a waste analysis. Where am I wasting time, effort, financial resources? Understand that Jesus is all you need, and it frees you to serve him instead of wasting your time. Then in Luke chapter 9, verse 16, he broke bread and said a blessing. Uh, now, obviously, the early church would have seen this as some type of a reference, or as a reference to the Lord's Supper, uh, where Jesus then broke bread again and said, this is my body. Um, so... We all need to experience the bread of life. The one that was broken on the cross for you took the punishment of your sin upon himself and died the death that you deserve and rose from the dead for you. 
people in your Life Connection group, I just want to reiterate that. There are people there that are struggling with their salvation, that are doubting their salvation, that are maybe even not saved. Uh, so make sure that we bring the gospel up. And by the way, the gospel is also good for us to preach to those who are also uh, saved. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. It is what costs Jesus his very life, the cross and the holiness of God, and we see forgiveness and holiness on that cross, okay? So make sure that we have the gospel in every single Life Connection group. All right, let's jump into the questions. Uh, this week we're back in the old system, but next week we'll start into the new system with the new headings and help us understand how the observation, interpretation, and application works together. So feel free to grab one of these that, uh, in honesty time. Uh, it might be good for you to talk about the gospel, if somebody is able to share the gospel or not. But uh, anyway, uh, number three is probably a good one to get some talking. You're probably going to get a lot of embarrassment. And number one, maybe uh, you might talk about yourself on that one and how you have a hard time or there have been times that you have a hard time sharing the gospel. That might be a good way to do it. But anyway, number three says, what does it mean that Jesus provides and how have you seen Jesus provide for you over the years? That's a good talking question because it gets people talking. Uh, before you get into the discussion. Uh, let's examine the text in verses 9, 1 through 2. So uh, go back to that, and, and it'll help you um, as we look into the passage. So I would always recommend that you, when it says the passage like that, to go back and look and to read that passage. So summoning the twelve, he gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Here's the question. What does it mean when Luke says that Jesus gave the 12 power and authority? Okay, power is the ability. Remember we talked about that? And authority is just that. It's that Jesus says that's where you belong and that I say that you can be there. And so when we talk about power and authority, uh, it, is, it is both two, not either or. And, and it is over demons and to heal diseases. So we talked about the first time that maybe Peter... Uh, saw a demon get kicked uh, kicked out of somebody's body, or maybe the first time John uh, got a, a deaf man to hear or a blind man to see or whatever. All right, so do followers of Jesus have this kind of power and authority today? Uh, we do in the sense that the Holy Spirit is there, uh, but the way that it happens is a lot different. Um, we, we are not given that same sort of thing. They were they were actually demonstrating what this power would be when we would proclaim the validation of the good news of the kingdom through Jesus Christ. So the power and the authority was not in the disciples. What they were do, doing was that power and authority was working in Jesus through the 12. Um, so Jesus gave us everything we need to serve him. And if that means that that time might come, because it can happen, but don't think that we are going to do this every single day. It doesn't become a miracle then. So we have the kind of a power and authority to accomplish what Jesus has called us to do. Uh, number two, why do you think Jesus sent the 12 out in Luke 9? And by the way, I do believe in healing. I'm, in a, I'm a prime example of that God still heals. I shouldn't be here. If I am here, I should just be a vegetable, and I'm not. So God had to do something supernatural. Even the doctors admit that for me to be here today. So we know that God does heal. Uh, we are not given that as our reason for existence, though, and our purpose. Our purpose is to reach people for the sake of the gospel. 
All right, number two, why do you think Jesus sent the 12 out in Luke 9, especially when we consider that Jesus' mission is not yet complete? Well, uh, he sent them out because all they had been doing is watching. They had to get, they had to get out there and get beat up a little bit in, a, in, in the sense of getting it done, of being able to accomplish what Jesus was calling them to do. They'd been watching, they'd been seeing, they'd seen Jesus do all these things, and now it was their time to get out there and to heal and to cast out demons and to preach the good news of Christ. Um, so why didn't Jesus wait to send them out until after his death and resurrection? Well, uh, we are prepared for Jesus to accomplish what, uh, through us, what he can do through us. They were prepared by Jesus to accomplish what they were supposed to do. Remember, we know they didn't know everything. Um, they witnessed a lot and, uh, Jesus is preparing them. This is a preparation. And that's the main thing, is he's preparing them so that they could come back and kind of go off of him and figure out how he did it and what he did and when he made mistakes. And they actually did do that. They say, we, we can't cast out this demon. And Jesus said, this, come, kind, this kind comes cometh forth but by, or comes forth by prayer and fasting. So Jesus was able to help them when they got the experience of doing something that didn't work, they felt like, all right? They had seen Jesus do so much, and then all of a sudden they couldn't do it. Um, all right, now read Luke 9, verse 3 through 6. Take nothing for the road, he told them. No staff, no traveling bag, bread, money, and don't take an extra shirt. Wherever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. They don't welcome you when you leave that town. Shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Well, why did Jesus tell his disciples to take nothing on their journey? Because he wanted them to depend on him, not uh, resources that they had brought with him. He wanted them to recognize that he was the one that was doing this through them and that they had to learn in the midst of their ministry to trust Jesus, all right? So what could the disciples expect as they went on their journey? Um, well, they could expect opposition. They could also expect um, Jesus to meet their needs even in the midst of opposition. And so they also could expect that they would understand that this is an urgent mission. We do not have time to just keep on lollygagging. We had to go and move forward. Um, but Jesus is teaching these 12 to trust him. Uh, what could the disciples expect as they went on their journey? Well, we said that. Well, how are these verses compared to Luke verses 8, 14 to 15? And if you want to go and compare those, uh, that would be great. And just look them up and read them and then just go back and forth if you have the time. All right, uh, Luke chapter uh, 9, 7 through 9. Um, they went and traveled in the villages, and then we get to 7 through 9. Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead, some Elijah had appeared, others that the ancient prophets had risen. I beheaded John, Herod said. But who is this I hear about these such things about? And he wanted to see him. So here he is, Herod the Tetrarch. So why did Luke insert this information about Herod Antipas or Herod the Tetrarch? Um, well, obviously, uh, Herod uh, was asking these questions. Who is this? And it was similar to what we find in Luke chapter 8, verse 25 that we already talked about. Um, he hears about the work of the 12, and uh, 
he's interested in Jesus and he wants to see Jesus. And that's the, so when he asks the question, who is this? That's the question the rest of the chapters answer. So Luke's already answered the question, but now by the time Jesus leaves Galilee, he, it's going to be very clear who Jesus is. He's saying, Jesus is not a puppet like you are, Herod Antipas. He is the true king. Um, why are these verses significant, especially when you consider where Luke places these verses in the chapter? And that we just said that. All right, Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. After the disciples returned, Jesus withdrew with the disciples privately. All right, let's read that. He said, they reported Jesus all they had done. He took them along, withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. And the crowds found out. They followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. And then late in the day, the twelve approached and said to him, send the crowd away so they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food. And uh, so we're in a deserted place. You give them something to eat, he told them. We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For about 5,000 men were there. That's why we say ten to 20,000 total. And then he said his disciples have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And he did what he said. Had them all sit down. They took the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke them and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. That's the key there, filled. It wasn't like a, they got a piece of the fish. They got enough to fill them, and they picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. If there was any doubt that they had enough, there was leftovers. So after the disciples returned, Jesus withdrew with the disciples privately. Why did he do that? Why would he go and pull apart when, um, you know, they had come back? Um, they Imagine it was a sort of a retreat where they would pull away. Um, so they went to the, des the desolate place to do what we would do at a retreat, which is to rest and maybe break down what they did. But what happens is the crowd follows. Well, why did the crowd follow him? They followed him for all the wrong reasons. So uh, they were hungry, and they were somehow um, thinking, how can we get fed? So here we are. The feeding of the 5,000 is uh, we have where we are now, and this significant miracle takes place. What, what are we supposed to learn about Jesus from this miracle? All right. Well, Jesus said to the disciples that they did it. Um, they had to do it. They, they were going to continue to serve him, but they were not going to serve him without his provisions. That's the idea. That's the big picture here. So we'll look, look, look at uh, Luke 9 next week. But how is this story of the feeding of the 5,000 connected to Luke 9, 18 through 20? So in 18 to 20, we have this word. While I was praying in private, disciples were with him. He asked him, who the crowds say that I am? And John the Baptist, Elijah, the ancient prophets. But you, he asked him, who do you say I am? Peter, an Peter answered him, God's Messiah. So this answer is, who is this? That's what we're doing. Jesus is this different kind of king than Herod, and he's answering the question now. And Peter does it. Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. That's who Jesus is. He is the, he is the anointed one. He is the one that was supposed to be there. He is the king that is not like any other king we've ever had. Certainly not like Herod Antipas. He is a different kind of king. It gives us life for us, gives us joy, comfort, peace, and satisfaction.
All right. Um, and of course, how does the miracle point us back to the Old Testament? We talked about that uh, earlier. But anyway, it has to do with the prophets when they were set to set up and he divided them into hundreds and then fed them that way. It certainly could have been a, uh, a reference back to that. Um, so, so we have that. And we also have the Exodus when the feeding of the people of Israel, God didn't just give them bread from heaven. The bread came to him, them directly from the hand of God himself, Jesus, right? So what then Jesus moves them from the tent, from the temporal to the eternal. How do we get the bread that never perishes? Believe I am the bread of life in John 6, 35. John 6, 35, you want to meet the scriptures you might want to look at are John 6, 14 to 15, John 6, 26 to 27, and John 6, 35. And of course, it points us to the cross, as we just said, the, I am the bread of life. I am the one that would give myself for you so that you can have everything that, that you need more than life itself. All right, how is the story of the feeding of the 5,000 connected to Luke 9, verses 7 through 9? And we, we read that. Um, if you want to go back and look at that, you can. And now supply the truth. What does this passage uh, teach us about how Jesus sends his followers on mission? He sends his followers depending upon him to provide their resources. We are gives us exactly what we need when we need it as we are serving him. Uh, what does this passage teach us about how we need to be prepared to live on Jesus' mission? Well, we are prepared exactly as much as Jesus wants us to be prepared right now. We do not have the, the typical excuses. Um, you know, what, maybe your excuse is I need more experience or I need more training or I need more resources. By the way, you're never going to have enough experience. You're never going to have enough training. You're never going to have enough resources. I don't care if you've been to seminary. It's still, you're still going to struggle with all that. So what is it going to take for you to start obeying Jesus? Number three, how does Jesus provide for his people? He provides graciously. He provides more than we need. And he provides for us as we serve him. That's what Jesus does for us every single time. That's why we can trust him. We, and what do we, we expect Jesus to provide for us? What we need. That's the key. What we need, not what we want. Number four, how does Jesus provide for us so that we might live on his mission? Uh, we live on mission by Jesus giving us exactly what we need when we need it to serve him and focus on what we do have instead of what we don't have. We always need more or think we des deserve more. And then finally, pursue the one that gives you what you need instead of pursuing what you think you need. And in other words, don't seek the hand of God still, until you've sought the face of God, right? Jesus, I need you. I, you are my biggest need. I don't need you to do something. I need you. All right, so uh, what do you do? What do you think God is calling you to do in response to these verses? And it might be make, quit making excuses. It might be um, trusting God to, to provide. Um, and then how are we going to pray? God, I pray that you would help me to quit making excuses. Lord, I pray that you would help me to trust you. Okay, so the one thing, measurable and doable. What is one excuse you could quit using so that you can obey Jesus? <laughs> Jesus, I need to, I, I got to tell you, Lord, I just need to quit making an excuse that I don't have enough money. I got to work five jobs and that takes all my time so I can't serve you. Lord, 
stop me. Stop me from doing that. Whatever it is, let them share what their excuse is, and let's get over it and move towards obedience to Jesus. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you taking this time. I know it's a little long today. I knew that it would be because we went over the OIA. So uh, I hope that it helped you. And I'm going to pray for you and let you go. And I will see you on Sunday. And by the way, thank you for what you're doing with the the um, uh, iPad. You're doing a great job. And just keep it up. It's going to continue to help as we uh, know the numbers. And that was how I was able to get the numbers so quickly. We had uh, this past week, we had 416 in Life Connection groups. So that's awesome. And usually it takes me several weeks to get that number. So now we have it pretty immediate. And so uh, you're helping us. And also it should help you because we know uh, you can know who uh, quicker, uh, who's coming, who's not, and all those kind of things. All right, well, let's pray and we will go. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of your provision of all good things. Lord, you give us what we need, not what we want, and you give us what we need to serve you and to be on mission for you. Lord, help us to quit making excuses. Help us to live for you and be those people. If there's anybody in our in our Life Connection group that is doubting their salvation, that is struggling with understanding what salvation is, or even needs to know Jesus Christ as Savior and order their life, may this day be the day that they surrender to Him and come to Him in forgiveness and confession of sin and repent and believe in Him. Lord, we give them to you now for your sake and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.